everyone. Welcome to another wonderful episode, another show. I'm so excited to have you all here. Thank you for tuning in. Today we are in the presence of the beautiful Stephanie Minnick. She is an emotional wellness and embodiment coach. We are going to be talking about everything to do with empowerment, embodiment, what it's like to walk through the process of becoming an empowered woman. And I'm so excited to have her here. So please help me welcome Stephanie Manick. <laughs> Good your morning. Energy. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'm so glad that we connected a few weeks back. And I'm really excited to be here. Your energy is fantastic. And I know that we have so many things in common as far as, you know, what we want to help women with as far, and as well as, you know, our own personal experiences. So thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's truly my honor and pleasure to have you here. So for those of you who are just tuning in, Stephanie and I met in a mutual group and she was sharing some things and I just knew that I had to connect with her and get her to share, you know, parts of her journey and some of her innate wisdom because she is just chock full of it. So with that being said, please tell us a little bit about yourself, what got you into coaching and where are you at today? So I am, I'm originally from upstate New York, Catskill Mountains area, uh, but I live in Asheville, North Carolina. I have been here for, you know, on and off about 20 years now. And I started out as a massage therapist right out of high school. And, you know, I really think that we we give and we teach what we need. And for me at that point in my life, I really needed safe touch. And, you know, I, I spent um, a few years in New York in school and then I came down to North Carolina and I've, so I've been a therapist for about 20 years now. And, uh, I also went back to school about 10 years ago for forensic anthropology and criminal justice. So like complete opposite side of the spectrum. And I loved it. I was so passionate about it. I chased that dream for about 13 years and that dream did not want me. And it was a really, <laughs> what a jerk. It was, yeah. It was a really hard thing, you know, to pack that away. Um, so I kind of feel like the universe pushed me onto this path. And, and I know, I know in my heart and I know, you know, soul wise that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just wanted to provide space for other women that have been through similar things and that feel alone because, you know, my journey here, uh, I have a lot of childhood trauma. There was a lot of, you know, abuse and trauma going on in my childhood home. And I have a very extensive history of sexual trauma around 30 years worth of stuff. And I, I've also lost, uh, several people. My father and my brother are gone. I've had several miscarriages. I've lost several friends. Um, I think more than the average person at 38, mm. probably. <laughs> and wow. I just really, the big thing for me and my healing journey was that I did not want to be on medication. Mm -hmm. And I saw a few therapists here and there, and all of them wanted to put me on medication for PTSD, depression, anxiety, you know, so many different things. And I was just really adamant that I was not going to go that route because of my own personal history. It's not a shaming thing. It's not a judgment thing. You know, if that works for people out there, good for you. But I knew that for me, um, because of 
the history of medication in my family, what I saw growing up, what I saw it do to people, what I have continued to see it do to people over the past 20 years. It is not something I want to mess with. And, you know, because of my education, because of my experience around alternative health and holistic healing, you know, being a therapist, I'm able to see so many other parts of that, that a lot of people are not introduced to. I knew that those things worked for me. You have to be more consistent with it. You have to make it, you know, a choice that you're going to dive into every day, every week, every year. But for me, it doesn't have the side effects, you know, and I really, I didn't want to deal with the side effects. So I wanted to create a space where people could come to somebody and talk to them and know that they get it because I've done it. I've done it. I have, I've gotten that call late at night, you know, that somebody is gone that you're never prepared for. I have lost a parent and I've had to deal with that grief and forgiveness. Also, you know, have to, had to really like, start feeling safe in my body again after so many years of dissociating so many years of numbing i used drugs you know for a long time to deal with all of my grief and pain and i really wanted to help other women see that even though this is your past even though this has been thrown in your in your path you can overcome that you know you can work around it and that doesn't mean that everything is happy shiny from here on out you know, I, I still, I wouldn't say that I struggle. I still go through all the things in life that other people do. I just have a lot more coping mechanisms for it now, a lot healthier coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And, and I know from all of the things that I've been through, I know that I can get through what's coming next. Wow. Thank you for sharing. There was something that I picked up on right at the beginning when you mentioned how you went right out of high school into massage therapy school. So I also went to a massage school. It was holistic yeah. practicing where we, yeah, we learned uh, Swedish lymphatic drainage massage. And I, I didn't even think about the correlation between the two. And I think it was last summer, my, my husband and I were having a conversation and it just sort of dawned on me because he he had made a comment. He says, you know, it seems very common that people who have endured, you know, sexual abuse as children seem to have their primary love language be physical touch. And I remember I looked at him and I said, I think it's because we spend our entire lives trying to learn what safe touch is. Yeah. And that like, whew, it gives me chills. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something, um, Nate Postulwit, I'm not sure if you follow him, but he does a lot of um, inner child healing and childhood trauma stuff. He had posted something about safe touch one day. And, and this was just like two months ago or so. And it dawned on me. I was like, I didn't really have safe touch as a child. Like the only touch that I really had as a child was physical violence and sexual mm -hmm. abuse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, my aunt was in my life. She was the one person that, that did, you know, tell me that she loved me. She did give me hugs, but I didn't see her all the time. You know, I would mm -hmm. maybe see her on the weekends and stuff like that. And then my younger sister was born when I was 12. And that was, that was probably one of the most life-saving and healing things for me because I was able to 
love on her and like Mm -hmm. also have her love me back, Mm. you know, but growing up, my mom was, she was very emotionally neglectful and there's never been a connection there, you know, and my dad was just, um, surviving, you know, in, in the ways that he could, you know, so he wasn't very physically loving. Um, and, and he was abusive, you know, to my mom and my brother. So mm-hmm. looking back, there were a lot of physical altercations with my brother and then the sexual abuse, which started when I was a very small child. So, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's crazy that I'm 38 and I'm just now realizing like, holy shit, I, I only ever knew like bad stuff and, and bad stuff about my body. Yes. Shame about my body. Like my body is not mine. I can't speak up. If I speak up, nobody's going to listen. And all of these imperfections, you know, I, I starved myself. I threw up my food. I cut myself, you know, a lot as a teenager. And there's so many ways that we, we continue to take out on our body, the things that have been done to us. And it's so sad. It's so sad that we continue that harm um, because we just want to let the pain out. And those are the ways, right? Starving ourselves, denying ourselves, (laughs) substance, cutting ourselves, numbing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's crazy that we continue to do that damage to our own body. Um, It's Mm -hmm. taken many years to learn how to, be nice to my body and to, you know, talk to myself in a way that is loving and I'm still working on it. So, yeah. Well, and I relate to that so deeply. The first time I experienced sexual abuse as a child, I was three years old. Mm. And I remember it happened a few times and I would just feel like so disgusted and just like, what is happening? Like, why is this happening? And I completely disassociated from my body because I was like, oh, Like, I don't want to experience that. I didn't know at three years old, that's what I was doing. I know now that that's what I was doing. But I remember I I went downstairs to tell my mom and I was like, mom, mom, I need to talk to you. Like something, something really bad is happening. And you know what she said to me? I don't have time. Go away. Mm. And I like, that was like the initial shutdown for me. So this continued for a while. And then I don't remember like how I ended up telling her that it was going on but I told her it was going on. And then we had to go to therapy. And I remember playing in like the little rice bin and, you know, the therapist is trying to talk to us and trying to ask us about it. And I'm just like, I don't know you. And then at the end, when we graduated from the therapy, guess what they did? They rewarded us with food. Let's make it back. Not a dog. So don't reward me with food. I did not just complete a trick. Don't reward me with food. And actually, I'm, I recognize that that's partly where my eating disorder came into play. So I, I had a binge eating disorder for years. And I didn't know until I started to compete in bodybuilding. And then I would, I would eat really well for a week. And then I would get a cheat meal once a week. And I would literally eat myself into a physical coma. Like I would eat until it passed out. Like that's not, that's not normal. That's not healthy. I had one hour a week and you, you would not believe how much food I can stuff into my body in one hour. And I was like, what, why am I doing this? Like, I don't feel good. Then I'm sluggish for the next week. And I have like, I just undid all the work that I did this week. And then it took me, you know, until probably last year or the year before to really start going, 
why the fuck am I doing this to myself? Like, you know, it, it would come in waves. And I was like, what is going on? And, you know, I had integrated the majority of that childhood trauma, but a lot of it was still living in my system and myself. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, I thought I dealt with this stuff. So I totally relate. And you know, that's a way of, of self-harm. People don't think about it like that, but it is a way of self-harming and it's a way of numbing and it's a way of coping. And it's not, that's not healthy to do that. And I mean, that's just my humble opinion, but that's not healthy to do that. I I agree. And I think, you know, we're trying to fill that void and I too, am really starting to see, um, as I have, you know, over the years I've, I've given up cigarettes and I've given up the pills and I've given up alcohol mostly. And now it's like food is, you know, the past two years, I just, there's, I don't ever look at something and think I'm not going to eat that because of the calories. I think I no, might not no. eat it because of the chemicals, you know, like I'm thinking yeah. about stuff, but I definitely, you know, hit this point where I was like, well, I'm not drinking anymore. So let me have half of this loaf of bread or mm-hmm. cakes or whatever. And and I have been working with a coach for the past month and I'm really honing into all the ways I want to eat my feelings. And I, mm. you know, I've, I've done so many podcasts the past few months and it, it is emotional, you know, to talk about these things and to be vulnerable and to put your story out there. And I do find on certain days I'm like, and I can narrow it down to like, this is bullshit because I'm just like, I want to eat everything. I don't have anything oh. in particular in mind. I just want to eat, you know, and Mm -hmm. of course I'm like, well, then you're not getting anything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Eat your kale salad. Um, (laughs) you know, and, and I have been like really, I'm just a very introspective and curious person, but I have been also able to notice that like wanting to fill also that void Mm -hmm. that I would, Mm -hmm. you know, in the past few years, I would just like, eat until I'm totally stuffed and like I can't even breathe and it doesn't feel good and like you're just in a food coma yeah and now I am tuning into that voice that's like you've had enough like you've had enough you don't have to eat everything here or you know save it for a snack later kind of thing and it's it does take a lot of work and you know part of that is just every single day checking in with yourself and you know getting to know those cravings, getting to know like those feelings that are associated with mm-hmm. how you're going to act this out on your body. You know, um, mm-hmm. I love that you're into bodybuilding because <laughs> I, I love that. I haven't competed in, um, well, my last show was in 2014. Uh, I qualified for I went novice provincials and nationals, which were like the three tier qualifications in order to qualify for the next tier of bodybuilding, which takes you um, international. And Arnold Schwarzenegger has a show. uh, And that's what I was trying to qualify for. And I qualified. I just scraped in under the wire because my body shut down after after I was doing that because um, I did everything naturally. And uh, I, I didn't take any steroids or anything. Um, I used a fat cutter at the end, and then you know, like that, like helped get me to to the finish line kind of thing. But I noticed the day of my novice show, I was all by myself. I had nobody there to support me. I had no family, no friends. Nobody came to watch my show. I was there all by myself, and I was thinking to myself, like, hmm, 
who am I, who am I here to impress? Like this panel of judges. Oh, I was like, yeah. oh, this is really, in- yeah, this is really interesting. And I remember I was first place in the morning. I made first call outs and I was first place in the morning. And you know your placement by where they place you on the stage. So top five, it goes fifth, fourth, third, second, first. So first is the middle and I was in the middle. And I was like, holy crap. And my coach said to me, he's like, like I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you got first. And I was like, don't let my head blow up about this. Like, I don't think I got first. And instead of being excited about it and, you know, going for a walk, I went into my hotel room and I binge ate. And then I got kicked from first to third. And I was like, oh, like whatever, you know, like I, I just didn't care at that point because I was so hungry, hungry. You know, I was so depleted. I was like, man, like, and it sucked not having anybody there. I was like, man, this is dumb. So then, you know, I fig- I figured my stuff out. I-, I took my little trophy. I was like, yay, third place, you know, not last. So that's good, which qualified me for the next level. And when I went there, I did the same thing. Nobody came to my show. Nobody came to watch. Nobody came to support me. And I was like, man, this sucks. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here to impress this panel of judges for them to judge my body. And I do enough of that myself. Like, why am I here to put myself in front of hundreds of people, thousands of people to let them judge my physique? And anyway, so I did the same thing. You know, I, I was third and then I binge ate all day and then I ended up placing fifth. And I was like, man, like, I'm like, do I even want to go to nationals if I'm feeling this crappy about my body? I decided I was going to go because I thought to myself, you know what? If I never do this again, at least I know that I went and I gave it my best effort. And um, the reason why I wanted to qualify for Arnold's was because my mom loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like she would see him on TV and she'd be like, oh, look, there's Arnie. You know, she would get all excited about it. And I thought if I could qualify for that, I could meet him and get an autograph for her because she was sick with cancer and she was really close to passing. And I was like, oh, this is great. I qualified for it. Turns out it was in February of 2015 and I was just totally just no I, there was no way I was going and I knew that if I went I wouldn't be able to be there for my mom because it takes you don't get to have a social life like I worked out in the morning and in the evening and on like you base I worked 12 to 14 hour days plus I was on call all night so like I literally had no life and I thought to myself I'm like this just isn't worth it like I would rather go and see my mom than spend all this money on protein powder and you know whatever else kind of thing. And, and that's what happened. And then when my mom passed in 2015, that was the only coping mechanism I had was the gym. Yeah. And I remember I was driving to back to Fort McMurray, which is like Northern Alberta. I was working in camp and I wasn't feeling good. And I pulled over on the side of the road and I ended up passing out. I got out of the truck because I thought, Oh, maybe I just need some fresh air. I ended up passing out face down in the ditch. And the next thing I know, there's ambulances there and they're like, hey, how's it going? Like they're thinking here, they're probably thinking I was drunk or something. And I, I was not. And I was like, I don't know what happened. And my whole body was shaking like crazy. And my mom had just passed not even two weeks prior. And my body was just shaking and it was like so tense and I couldn't breathe. And they're like, all right, little lady, we're just going to take you into the ambulance. We're going to check you out. We're just going to see what's going on. They're like, have you had anything to eat or drink today? I'm like, yeah, I had my protein shake this morning. I had my, you know, (laughs) my eggs and my oatmeal. I was like, and I was just about to have my lunch. And they're like, all right, so clearly you're not drunk. Like you're just eating. So that's good. And I'm like, what's going on? They put me on the, the little monitors and my heart rate was crazy. My resting heart rate, I think it's like 
39 or 40 beats per minute. Like it's very, very, yeah, it's super low. And my blood pressure is super, super low. And my blood pressure was through the roof and they're like, what's happening? And then all of a sudden my whole body just tensed up and it was shaking violently. And they're like watching the monitors just go crazy. They're like, what is happening right now? I'm like, I don't know. It's very painful. And they're like, okay. And the, the one paramedic, he says to me, he's like, okay, look at my eyes. You're going to follow along with me. We're just going to breathe. Okay. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know what this is going to do. And he just talked me into inhaling and exhaling, inhaling and exhaling. And it was enough to sort of calm everything down so that the tension and shaking was a lot less. And I was like, wow, okay, I feel better. And he's like, I think you should go to the hospital. I was like, no, I have a job to get to. So I'm going to leave. <laughs> okay, you have to sign this form. So I signed the form and then I buckered off up to work. I got up to work, called my supervisor, and uh, he's like, you need to go to the doctor on site. <clears throat> so I went to the doctor on site. He hooks me up to the ECG monitor, does the little scan. And I'm laying there. I'm just thinking. I'm like, man, like, I can't wait to go eat dinner. Like, I'm starving. <laughs> and he comes back. And I, I don't think this doctor was much older than you and I are. And he says to me, he's like, have you ever heard of a cardiac arrhythmia? And I was like, uh... I don't know. Isn't that like a regular heartbeats or something? And he says, yeah. It's like, how old are you? And he said, I think I was 26 or 27 at the time. And he says, huh, interesting. He says, you know, if you were in your seventies, I would be more concerned. He says, but the fact that you're in your twenties and you have a cardiac arrhythmia, I'm concerned. And I was like, I have a cardiac arrhythmia. And he showed me on the little thing, the little chart. He's like, this little blip is not supposed to be there. And I was like, oh, okay. And then he, he says to me, have you like experienced something, you know, like stressful. stressful lately? Like, are you okay? And I, I said to him, I'm like, my mom just died two weeks ago. And like his whole body just softened. And he looked at me and he says, Michelle, I think you have a broken heart. And I just burst into tears. I'm like, how dare you diagnose me with that? Like who can diagnose a broken heart? And that, that it was true. You know, like I had no idea how much, that incident like was stuck in my system I was like it's affecting my heart what the hell is going on here it's there's actually I can't think of the name I'm going to send you a picture after we get done here cordae tendine there are heart strings and under extreme stress they can like break and snap so it is possible to (laughs) I know I did too um it is possible and that's you know we hold everything in our body, the issues are in the tissues. You know, when you are pushing yourself bodybuilding, you're restricting your food or you're overindulging, like all of that stuff, all of those emotions that you're not feeling are getting stuffed down in there. And I think that, you know, I had a client who was very athletic and maybe you'll really relate to this. She was saying that you know, she was constantly being told, you're not tired, you're not hungry, just push through it, just suck it up kind of thing. And then, you know, you end up gaslighting yourself, like, I can do this, I can push through this, I don't have to rest, you know, but our body will make us rest, whether it's on the side of a road, or, you know, wherever it is. I mean, that's, it's an insane story, but I'm glad that you shared that because I think that people can, people need to really understand the impact of stress on the body. They need to understand the impact of holding these wounds in 
Mm -hmm. of thinking that it's just going to go away someday if I eat enough or I lift enough or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and every survivor I know also, also says that when they finally start talking about it, when they finally release that, it feels like a thousand pounds lifted off of them. And it's like, well, yeah, there's a reason that it feels that way. You know, when you think about how heavy it is to carry it for so many years and how many people don't ever talk about it. They don't deal with it. So thank you for sharing that with me. That's holy. It's sad. Like what our body has to do to us to make us pay attention. It really, it, and it, it'll get extreme, obviously. You know what I mean? If, if you're not listening to that and that has been it's a struggle, I think, for so many, so many trauma survivors, especially sexual trauma, because your body is not your own. How do you trust okay. this skin that you're in when people have maybe told you that, like, you don't know what you're talking about? You're little. Mm-hmm. You, all of those things, you know, when you go to an adult and try to express what's going on and you're not listened to, or, you know, in my experience, I remember protesting and I remember him very clearly saying to me, don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. And then for the rest of my life, (laughs) up until 38, I have not been a baby. I have sucked it up. I have, you know what I mean? Like cry about stuff. And, and it really, it changed the trajectory of my path so much because, you know, later on in, in my teens, a lot of times, like I would go along with things that I definitely, definitely did not want to do, but I was scared that if I didn't, I was going to be forced. And I just wanted everybody to like me because you know my mom didn't like me. So I definitely needed everybody else to like me. And that, you know, came at the expense of every shred of dignity I've ever, ever had, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then, uh, that followed me into, you know, my twenties, I was in a very sexually abusive relationship for years and, and nobody talked about rape within a relationship. Nobody talked about, you know, your partner doing those types of things to you. I mean, of course we we've heard about domestic violence, but your partner forcing you to have sex when you don't want to was not something that was, you know, on that list. And, and he also very much was like, I'm not hitting you. I've never hit you. So I don't know what you're complaining about. And I'm like, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe I don't know what I'm feeling. We're so, we're so disassociated from our body and we have these relationships if we've had this abuse, we typically have these relationships mm-hmm. just feed that narrative of I'm crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm being too emotional. I'm weak. I have to push through. I have to suck it up. You know, all of those things that I know other survivors tell themselves, I have to do everything at any cost to be perfect. So mm. love me. <laughs> you just nailed it. The perfectionist mindset is so adamant in people who have experienced any sort of trauma. I like that's why I was in bodybuilding because I thought if my body was perfect, that would make me perfect. You know, if I, if I place first and everything that I'm perfect, if I got straight A's, then I'm perfect. And it, it was never fulfilling. 
because it wasn't, it wasn't what I needed. And that validation from other people. I, I have spent years and years getting the certificates, doing all the things, Mm -hmm. have that validation for you, you know, the bodybuilding, especially you're like, I'm standing up here on this platform with these people judging me. If they tell me I'm number one, am I still going to, am I going to be number one? Or, you know what I mean? Like all of these things that we have to like cultivate in our life, they have to come from us. They have to, you just have to like reframe your self-talk and the narratives that you tell yourself. And you also need to like have boundaries in your life, which is a uh, fucking almost impossible. If you're a sexual <laughs> trauma survivor, it's next to impossible to figure out how to fuck to do that. Um, but you have to, you know, eventually create these boundaries in your life where you do have people that feed your soul in positive ways that lift you up. Um, to help reinforce, you know, reframing those stories for yourself. And that's a really, that's a really fucking difficult. Yes. Well, you know, boundaries, because again, you know, when something like this starts in your childhood, we both know your body doesn't even have a boundary. Anybody has access to you, every part of you, your most precious, most private parts. And when you have that taken away from you at such a young age, you, you never get to, I don't have a clue what true innocence feels like. I don't have a clue what, I mean, I'm learning what it feels like to feel safe in my body. I'm learning to trust it and everything, but my God, I'm almost 40 years old and I'm just now learning. And this has taken me 15 years of hardcore throwing myself into dealing with my stuff. You know, there's, there's so many ways that, um, we don't have a clue about boundaries. If you don't have adults in your life showing you how to speak up for yourself or listening to you when you speak up, you know, mm-hmm. and you have people that are touching you, who the hell knows what a boundary is, you know, and, and, it, uh-huh. and it decimates your relationships you become this overachieving perfectionist people pleaser. You have to make everybody happy, even if it's at the cost of your sanity, your peace Mm -hmm. of mind, your body, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I've, and I'm sure, you know, I'm just guessing you've also experienced this, but you know, one of the other reasons I became a coach was I was fucking sick of the bosses that I was encountering <laughs> in my life. I mean, yes. I, it's funny. Cause I, you know, I had a session with my astrologer a few weeks ago and she was saying that a lot of the bosses that I've had, you know, cause I'm like, what is my problem? Like maybe something really is wrong with me. Maybe I just mm-hmm. am, you know, anti-authority or something like, what is my fucking problem? And she was saying that a lot of the bosses I've had, I've had previous like past life relationships with, and they've come back and I've had to, every time it's been about standing up for myself. It's not about crying because I don't want to follow the rules or anything like that. It's about somebody treating me like shit and me realizing I don't need to take this. I don't need to take this for any amount of money. This is bullshit. And there are too many people sacrificing their health and their time with their families and the people that they love for a job 
that does not give a shit about you. And they don't know how to speak up because of this, because of childhood abuse, because of sexual abuse, because they don't understand what healthy boundaries are, because they don't understand their self-worth. They don't recognize that you don't need to take this shit. Like Mm -hmm. it's easy to, you know, I think I don't have children and, and I'm sure people look at me and think, oh, it's easy to say that, but you have to draw a line in the sand somewhere. You have got to draw a line and Mm -hmm. that goes for your friendships, your career, your, your relationships with your partners. Like there has to be a line somewhere. And, you know, I, I learned, I learned those lines the hard way because not recognizing boundaries, not having any sense of self-worth or self-love, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I let people treat me however they wanted to. And Mm -hmm. for many, many years, I was that girl that was like, why do I just keep getting these piece of shit people in my life? Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't have boundaries. One, I attracted them. Two, I didn't make them leave up until, (laughs) up until a couple of years ago. And that's, that's not victim shaming. That is, you have got to be accountable on some level as a grown ass woman for some of your stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yes, these terrible things have happened, but at some point, you know, if you keep having these certain relationships in your life, I mean, I, I had a relationship around 2013 and it was 2013 was the worst year of my life. Um, it was like COVID times 10 for me. And I finally, you know, I broke down and went to therapy, which I had kind of been, you know, I didn't really want to do. But the first thing I said to her, she was like, well, why are you here today? And I was just like, I am the common denominator. I am the common denominator between all of these piece of shit guys (laughs) into my life. And, you know, I was like, I can't go through this again. I will die if I have to go through this again because of my broken heart because of like what had happened to me in that situation. And when you hit that point with yourself, when you are so sick of the bullshit in your life, when you're so sick of feeling like a victim of feeling like you don't have a voice of feeling like people use you like a doormat, you know, you'll do something about it. You will do something about it when it hurts bad enough you will make some changes because those changes and those sacrifices are worth it. When you consider sitting in this muck of like shit for the rest of your life, you know, (laughs) sorry. You know, don't apologize. I agree. I think that that ties in beautifully with, you know, the, the cultivation of emotional wellness. You can't, you can't experience emotional wellness without dealing with the crappy, cruddy emotions that you're, you're allowing to fester in your system. And this is not to say that people can't experience those emotions or, or whatever. It's just a matter of taking radical responsibility for your participation because you are an active participant. You have, whether consciously or not, chosen these partners. You have chosen to continue to play out this timeline. You have chosen not to address your emotions. You have chosen not to address your boundaries. You have chosen not to address the root cause. And that right there to me was when I started addressing the root cause, 
2015 was the worst year of my life because that was when my mom passed away. I lost my job. I lost my house. I lost my truck. And I was dating a guy who was super narcissistic, super abusive. Who, after I broke up, stalked me for like six months. Oh yeah. It was brutal. Turns out he was still married going through a divorce, but that was not disclosed to me. And he had numerous other girlfriends. Yeah. He had numerous other girlfriends, one of which reached out to me on my birthday and was like, I'm so tired of this and blah, blah, blah. Like, I want to break free of this guy. I'm like, on my birthday? Like, what the? And I thought it was a trap and whatever. Anyway, I went through the whole commotion with this person. And, and then he ended up manipulating her into thinking that I was the one that was bad and that she attacked me. And I was like, you know what? Look, you're on your own. I, I wanted to help you because it would help me to help you. But that's it. You're on your own. I'm doing this by myself. If you want to stay in the muck here with this loser and get your face beat in a few more times by him, be my guest. I'm not, I'm not sticking around for this. And, and I, I broke free of that. And then it was the same thing. I, I had big tests that I had to pass to know that I had really broken free from that crap. And I dated another big a-hole after that. <laughs> No like, shame, girl. No yeah, shame. I have yeah, been there. I was like, wow. Like we had only dated, I think, two and a half months or something like that. He went through my social media, like into the archives of my social media, into my DMs from like 2012 and was like taking screenshots and like spamming it out to my friends and like being like, oh, you know, she's she's not a good person. And like, look at how she talks to people and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Yo, that dude sent that pic to me. Like, I didn't ask for it. There was, like, I did not ask for this guy to send me a picture of himself in his underwear. I never, I never explicitly said, no please send me a naked photo. No asked for that. Right? I'm like, <laughs> like, I never asked for that. And anyway, so when I broke it off with him, like, I was a, I was a hot mess. And I thought to myself, no, enough is enough. I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. And I went into my coaching program and I had to do like the deep, deep excavations. Like the first three months were like deep, deep excavations. And I was like releasing so much stuff. I was like, man, like, I can't believe this. Yeah. And I, I, I had like sworn myself to single them for a minimum of six months. And I, I was in my seventh, seventh or eighth month of being single. And I was, I was living in a new province and I was like, hey, you know, maybe I could maybe I could date or whatever. And I chatted with a couple of guys and one guy seemed particularly interesting. And I had asked him twice if he wanted to get together with me to meet and he avoided the question. And then this big thing happened where he was, uh, he had called me, we had chatted on the phone a few times and he had called me and I missed his call. And I called him back and I was like, Hey, I was on the phone with my sister, Mr. Call. And he's like, Oh, I thought, you know, you just saw my name and we're like, Oh, that guy again. And I was like, oh my gosh this is like massive insecurity I just felt so sick to my stomach I hung up the phone and then I messaged him and I was like hey Steve just so you know you're a really nice person I've been enjoying our intelligent communications and you know the talk about bodybuilding etc I've asked you twice if you want to get together with me you've avoided the questions I don't need to ask you a third time you've indicated to me where you're at so I'm not interested I'm gonna move on I wish you all the best And he immediately sends me this selfie of himself and I just wanted to vomit at that point. I was like, no, like I'm not, I'm not doing this. I cut it off. And then a few weeks later I met my husband and I, I went, 
I knew when I cut it off, I was like, no, like I'm not doing this again because there were so many red flags. I'm like, how many more flags do I need before I let this go? What am I afraid of letting go? Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. You get it. Flags. Like I think a couple of weeks ago I shared this post and I mean, I was just dying when I saw it and it was, I think I like to see how red the flag can get. And I was like, like, that is definitely my former self. Um, Yeah. And that's, you know, I think when you make that distinction of like, I'm not dealing with this anymore, just be prepared to get a few more because the universe is going to test you. It's going to be serious. Like, are you for sure? You sure? And you you have to put that line in the sand. You have to have those boundaries. And I think what you said about how you felt in your body. You know, so many times yeah. we, we, question <laughs> we, we question everything because either somebody's telling us that we're crazy, usually a man mm-hmm. that's fucking around on us. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, again, we just don't know enough, but my God, ladies, like that's why we have our gut. That's why we have our intuition. It's called our second brain for a reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the more things that we can do, you know, nutrition, exercise, nature, um, spirituality, all of those things, meditation, meditation <laughs> that bring you back into your body, bring you into your skin. That is where you can start tapping in to, is this my intuition? Is this me, you know, making up narratives and stories and stuff from the past. And I think something that's been good for me is asking like, is this like a fear-based narrative? Like, is this coming from scarcity? Is it coming from fear or is it coming from, you know, love and And worthiness and and worthiness? (laughs) Yeah. And it's, you know, I, I can definitely relate the, the 2013, um, he had, he had a crazy ex and I learned pretty quickly why she seemed crazy. And I believed him and I believed everybody else because everybody was telling me she was crazy and she was acting crazy. I mean, we like restraining order crazy, but she was acting crazy because they were still carrying out a relationship the whole time that I was living with him. That's why she was acting crazy because he was, (laughs) he was telling her that I was just there to take care of his child. And um, he was carrying this relationship on with her the whole time and all the time telling me, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy. I love you. I love you, but I can't, I can't totally be with you right now, but can you stay here and watch my child for the night? Um, yeah, like it was, it was that kind of stuff. So after that, you know, I I didn't know what the hell to believe. So again, like doing those things where you, you can become more embodied. Meditation is amazing. Nutrition is a huge, huge component. You know, people get really pissy when you talk about how diet can impact your mental health, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's true. I mean, it, I'll probably get some hate for this, but it is true. And if you don't recognize that and you don't accept it, then that's your problem because it is true. Um, you know, our vagus nerve goes into, into our gut and what you eat does impact your brain. And when you are, you know, feeding your body full of things that cause, more anxiety. If you have food sensitivities, all of those things, um, you're not going to be able to tap in to yourself, into your intuition. You know, if you are 
not taking the time to sit with yourself through meditation or journaling or anything like that, how the fuck are you going to know yourself and what you like (laughs) and what you need and what you want? If you're Mm -hmm. never checking in with yourself, if you're avoiding being with yourself at all costs, how are you ever going to like invite into your life what you want and what you need and what you deserve, like what you deserve? Um, I love that you found your husband after that because I found my husband after that. <laughs> Actually, I I had a few, I had a few tests, and uh, one of them was a married man, and I was like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that. Um, I don't think that the person that God is sending to me or whoever the universe is sending to me is married. I don't care what your situation is. I was getting ready to go to grad school. I had been accepted to my top choice grad program. She took two people. It was a program that was phenomenal. There was no math or any of like the extra stuff. It was <laughs> right. It was, uh, it was just forensic anthropology and criminal profiling. And that was like, I had been turned down from six other grad program. So this was my top choice. I was so proud of myself. So I I had a two and a half year unemployment. I left my job in 2011 because of a work injury. I had tendonitis as a massage therapist. So you can imagine. Yeah, Um, of course. I bought a one-way ticket to Hawaii. (laughs) I ended up (laughs) rerouting back to New York because I had this like weird nudge that my husband was in New York. And I also have never wanted to get married ever. Like I was that girl, I was like, I'm never getting married because of my shit show of a childhood. Um, <laughs> but I, I went back to New York and then, you know, I spent two and a half years unemployed. I got accepted to grad school. I was like ready to go. There were funding issues because of my unemployment and everything. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to put it off for one semester and I'll go in January. And a week later I reconnected with this man that I had been in love with as a teenager, like we had dated when I was younger. And you know, the crazy thing is, and this just kind of goes to show when you start working on your shit, stuff will start flowing. I had made a friend in in my hometown area and we had been friends for two years and two years, you know, she brings up my husband's name. And I was like, how do you know him? And she said, Oh, he's at my house all the time. And I was like, wait, what? He's in New York? And she said, yeah, he's best friends with my roommate. And I was like, are you kidding me? And she said, yeah, he's over there like all the time. You guys always just miss each other. It wasn't until, I mean, goosebumps again. I mean, I, I had been back. We'd both been back in our hometown for, I was there for two years, hanging out with the same people in the same house. And it wasn't until I put myself into therapy and I got some fucking boundaries and I started sticking to them and I made a list of what I wanted in a partner and I was not going to stray from that. We went out on a couple dates and I was like, I called my best friend. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to grad school. And she was like, why? And I was like, I don't think I'm going to grad school right now. And uh, I knew. And we, you know, we dated for a year. We lived together for a year and we got married in 2016. And um yeah. And then we move, we move back down to Asheville. So it's, you know, I, I love hearing this from other women because God, when you, when you make that decision that you are going to put yourself first, put your well being first and take care of you in a way that like nobody else can or is going to, 
I think that it is such a game changer and it's also not easy. You know, when you've had a past where, you know, you have been abused, you've been through trauma and stuff, it's so difficult to find that self-love, to find that worth and know that you deserve all the good things. You know, it, it is really difficult to find that. But I think hearing stories like yours, like mine, and other women out there, the clients that we work with, you know, the women that we see transform their story. I mean, that's, it's so important to me. And I know it's important to you too. It's just helping women recognize that you do not have to feel like a doormat for the rest of your life. You don't have to feel like you don't have a voice in your life because, as we know, also life is so short. Life is so, so short for me. Like, I think that's kind of why I go, I go so hard is I know that I know that people can be taken from us at any moment. And it's, it is so important to me to like get the things done on this earth that I should be doing, you know, and, and doing the hard work because life is hard either way. Life is hard either way. You're going to have bad things happen. No matter how good of a person you are, you're going to lose people things are going to happen and you can either, you know, learn and grow from that or you can be angry and you can stuff yourself full of things that block your abilities and you can quit every day. Like I know, I know some people probably think that sounds harsh and believe me, there are days that I have wanted to quit. I don't want to be enlightened. I don't want to do this bullshit work. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I don't want, I don't want to know anymore (laughs) kind of stuff, but I lived my life in the darkness for a long time. I lived my life Mm -hmm. in anger for a long time. I lived it in bitterness and resentment and why me for so many years. And when I made the decision to like, stop doing that and start looking at things as, you know, how can I change this? How can I turn this into something? Um, you know, look at what you're doing. Like you're healing people, you're helping women transform. And I think that, you know, that's what it's about. It's about using, using that sack of shit that we all get and just like figuring out how to fertilize. (laughs) (laughs) The sack of shit is the fertilizer. Let me just clarify. (laughs) That is the fertilizer. It is no longer the seeds. I hope, yeah, I hope somebody who is offended by cussing is not listening to this because they're probably not going to like me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, I I think that it's, it's necessary. And I think that the more that we share stories like ours, I think that it really does help those women that are hanging out watching, but aren't sure about coming forward, aren't sure about speaking up for themselves. I can tell you 100%. I have only been speaking about my story for like six months now Um, in in the capacity of, you know, writing on Instagram, doing podcasts, doing interviews and stuff like that. And what a freeing and empowering experience. There's nothing like it to not live in that shame and secrecy and Mm -hmm. embarrassment, you know, because those are the things that so many of us feel. Mm -hmm. It is really incredible to hear other people's stories and just see them like stepping out of that. I agree. And it's in those moments when you decide that you are going to set boundaries, that you are ready to do the deep work, no matter how dark and shitty it is, 
that is when you decide that you have taken your power back and you are moving back into being an empowered woman rather than living as a disempowered woman. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, so wonderful to have you here. I'm curious, do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners and viewers as we close? Oh God. Um, I, you know what, right now I would say my words of wisdom are, um, it's okay to take a rest. That's my, like, that has been my kind of mantra the last few weeks. And I'm tuning into that. I'm actually going to take a little social media break soon. And, um, if you are doing all of this stuff, you need a rest. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's, you know, a lot of survivors feel lazy if they stop because we're overachieving, we have to be perfect. You also have to take a rest because as we both know, your body will knock you down or make you rest if you're not listening to it. So, you know, carve out time for yourself. I have been making sure that I get in, you know, a 20 minute meditation, um, a walk, whatever it is, you know, give yourself some you time each day because it's so important. Again, you're not going to be able to know what you need and want unless you're spending time with yourself and you're checking in with yourself. And, you know, I think caring for yourself the way you care for your friends or or your family is such an important thing to be doing. You're not going to talk to your best friend the way that you talk to yourself in your head. And that has been also a game changer for me. So start being nicer to yourself. There's yeah. All over the place. <laughs> like you don't need to be that person to yourself. Be nice to yourself. <laughs> oh, I love that. And how can people get in touch with you? How can they reach out with you and connect with you? Stephanie? They can check out my website at intentionalholistichealing.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, Intentional Holistic Healing. And uh, they can email me, Stephanie, at intentionalholistichealing.com. And like I said, I'm pretty... I'm I'm going to take a little break on social media soon, but I have a lot of Instagram videos you can go through. You can learn about my story. I'm very transparent about my experience so that my clients can understand. I see you. I hear you. I've been where you are. And, and I also know that like, I can help you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on this show. It's been such a pleasure having you. Thank you everyone for listening and for watching. I will be including, if you're watching this, I will be including Stephanie's contact information in the comments section below. So feel free to check that out. And if you haven't already, please like and subscribe and share. Thank you very much. Thank you.